This is the MDRT Podcast. Sometimes it is a client who doesn't believe in certain coverage. Other situations may be a case of bad timing, a question unasked, or unexpected information that causes a problem. During a recent conversation at MDRT headquarters, Shelley McIntyre, Belleville, Ontario, Canada. Sonia Lee, Los Angeles, California. Ali Shohut, Toronto, Canada. Michael Bibb, Warwick, UK. Discuss the clients who have created the most difficulty in terms of income replacement and what they learned from the experience. Difficult for me is actually meeting someone who we encourage them to have protection, but before they met us, they'd never had it before. It was a referral from another client, and they only had, if memory serves me, it was just life cover only because they didn't really believe in insurance and, uh, you know, they were never going to die. They're bulletproof, you know, as, as a lot of clients think. And we set that up. They didn't want, really want any further contact because they didn't really believe in it. And, you know, they were captains of their own destiny. And then just in a petrol station back home, a couple of years later, I saw the wife and she was having to work because husband had had a stroke. And it's actually quite emotional because she said, Michael, I really wish that we'd listened to you. And uh, I found that very difficult. I've, it's difficult actually thinking about it now because uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's so easy to kind of put it on us. It's our job to help people. You know, we've got that caring gene and when they don't do it, it's somehow that we failed. But the real lesson for me is that she said, I wish that we'd listened to you. Whereas a part of me really can't help thinking that I wish they're they're able to listen to themselves at something I perhaps did differently in that meeting. It was them actually convincing themselves that they, they had to have that because it would change their life. And now she's working nights in a petrol station just to try and have the same life before we met. So it's dealing with the, the consequences and the car crashes that happen when, you know, we know what, what good looks like, but what's really important is that the client knows what good looks like and it's their good so that you know, we never need to meet kind of middle-aged women working you know, part-time in a petrol station just to get by. If you meet with other clients in the same position, is there anything you would do or say differently? Sure. I mean, my practice has changed irrevocably uh, since we you know, became a life coach with the Kinder Institute in that we let the clients talk for 80% of the time, that they identify what that good looks like, um, they also look at uh, what's getting in the way of that, and obviously loss of health, loss, loss of income is part of that, and also getting them to see what that life looks like. You know, for example, you know, would you want to be that middle-aged lady working in a petrol station just to you know, get by? And if people don't like that, then it's them for us to take action. But it's very much their vision, it's very much their obstacles, and, and we're the people to facilitate it. So that isn't going to be my client's story moving forward. So I guess, yeah, it's a cultural change, a hard lesson to learn. Uh, to be fair to that family, I'm not sure that they would have actually gone for it because it was a tight budget and, and they didn't really believe in it. But I think for us, getting clients to see where they don't want to be and what they need to do never to arrive at that petrol station, I, I, I think has been the keynote change for us. I had a very difficult experience about five years ago. This couple called me to have a meeting, so I met them at their place. Uh, they were, um, the husband was about 50 years old. They had one son, a teenager at the time. And we were talking about many different planning, including life insurance as part of an income replacement solution planning. And he said that, okay, Sonny, I want to buy a life insurance because 
you know, if something happens to me, I want my wife and my you know, only son to well taken care of. So we got it started right away. And then I asked him, so what about retirement planning? I know you have a 401k and pension from your company, but do you want to buy more retirement planning? And he said, you know what, Sonny, I'm going to live to like age 100 and take care of my son and my wife. Don't worry about it. So we just started life insurance thing going at the time. But three days prior to the approval of life insurance, he got into a car accident and the, the car, the whole thing got burned and he died immediately. So three days before the policy was issued, he passed away. It was such a heartbreaking moment for me. So because of that experience, his wife learned the lesson that life is very unpredictable and that nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So when I can do something right now, I better do something. So she bought two life insurance policies for her son. So that was a, a very like big wake-up call for her. And to me, it was like really, really like heartbreaking experience. For me, it's really the ones that got away that bother me. And when I say it's the ones that got away, it's not the people that decided not to proceed with something. It's the people that I did not approach to buy something where I could have spoken to them about critical illness insurance or disability income protection or life insurance. And it was my own hangups that prevented me from calling on them or bringing up specific products. And we have had situations where some of those people have had occurrences in their life which have now prevented them from being able to buy insurance or they've been diagnosed with an illness. And that's what keeps me up at night when I look at those situations and say, I could have made a difference in their life. What prevented you from reaching out? It's the fear that probably plagues all advisors. It's easy to talk theoretically about changing the world and going out and speaking to every single person, but there's always the fear of rejection. There's always the fear of maybe we're pushing too hard. They trust us as an advisor, and we don't want to change that perception that they have, so we're not going to push so hard. We'll just leave things alone. And the lesson really is that we are advisors, and we have to take the bull by the horns and really take our job very seriously. It's a it's an extremely important facet to people's financial planning, and we have the responsibility to really bring up all the different issues that apply to the risk management sphere of their planning. I just try to learn from my mistakes every day and try to be a better advisor and a better agent for these people. So as a human being, I just try harder and try not to let my own emotional hang-ups and uh, fears get in the way of doing the proper job. Yeah, I feel the same way sometimes, you know, when I push too much, I have this fear that they might think that I'm a salesperson instead of an advisor. I want to position myself as an advisor, not a salesperson. So, you know, what I try to do is I give them options. You know, I already kind of picked the best three options, right? And then I let them decide and, you know, let them choose what they want. So, you know, ultimately they have the ownership instead of me pushing them to buy something they don't want to buy. But, you know, I, I totally understand you. I feel the same way sometimes. I'd say the most difficult client memory for me was a client who we put critical illness in place for her husband. And at the time, that's what was most important to her was to make sure that his was in place. So we put it all in place and he's got his financial plan well in order. And then a year later, she decided she wanted to look at critical illness and the first thing she wondered was why we didn't put hers in place when we put her husband's in place 
So it's that forgetfulness, I guess, the clients have selective memories. Um, but then we proceeded to put hers in place. And when it came back from underwriting, she had an exclusion. And due to something that she hadn't revealed that came out in the uh, medical. And so when it came to that, she decided that I'm not going to get it. Because there's a 70% chance I would that it won't pay out now. So I dug deeper into that with her just to find out where she came up with her statistics because it was one illness out of the over 20 that were covered. And she really didn't have a reason except that that kind of hit a nerve with her. So she decided, okay, I'm not going to get coverage at all. So I found that very frustrating because she still doesn't have the coverage in place and she still needs the coverage. But that one thing hit a nerve with her. And because the underwriting process took so long, I feel that she forgot the importance from start to finish. So I feel that I could have done things differently in hindsight and looking at it, at keeping the um, lines of communication open more. But I didn't realize there was something hidden that was gonna come out later. So I just didn't think, I thought it's all going into place and I definitely learned from that in order to spend time with clients and communicating through that whole underwriting process. What do you change for the next time? I like to think that number one, the communication is easy to change. Just making sure that there's communication. If it's going to take a couple months for underwriting to go through, then communicating at least every couple weeks in that process. For me to say that next time I'm gonna make sure that there's nothing hidden, I don't know that consciously she thought she was hiding anything. So to even ask the clients those questions, I don't think that Oftentimes clients will say, oh, I'm totally healthy. And when you dig deeper, you find out they're on blood pressure medication, they're diabetics, and they say, well, yeah, I have those things, but I'm totally healthy. They're all under control. So I don't think that they really know. So I don't know how we could improve that going forward, but the communication piece I think is essential. Yeah, I had this client didn't really tell me that she had an issue with her cancer that she removed about 10 years ago. She didn't tell me because that record was in Korea. And um, she thought that, you know, if that is in Korea, that there's no way that people here can find out. But somehow she forgot that she mentioned that information in one of a doctor doctor visit. And uh, so later, you know, when, you know, during the uh, underwriting process, that thing came out and it was not on their application. So I, she was going through some difficult times. So I had to like jump in and explain to the underwriter about, you know, some process. So I was able to save the case at the end, but I told her, you know, it was not the right thing to do. I think as we all do, uh, we've got a certain image of ourselves. And I think, for example, if someone has got diabetes, they don't actually see that as being part of them. That's just something they just deal with day to day. So perhaps not necessarily that clients forget or mislead. It's just not part of their life. It doesn't define them. So we tend to outsource all of the medical underwriting questions. Um, so I don't ask anything. We have nurses that call them up and go through. So hopefully that won't come up for us. But uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, I think we're all human and um, pe- people forget. But it's you know we have utmost disclosure in the UK. So if you want this plan to pay out, it's you know let's have everything. Um, no hiding places. 
Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, find us on SoundCloud and iTunes at MDRT Podcast. We'll see you next time.